Welcome to The Well, a podcast all about living wisely and faithfully as a follower of Christ. The goal? To give you guidance, food for thought, and to encourage you as you engage the people and situations that you encounter daily. Now, here's your host, Sean Barkley. Greetings. I hope you're having a terrific day. Whatever the day happens to be, I hope that it is a great one. And I also hope that for the next 20 minutes, your day will get even better. I will have to say, though, that even though it's a beautiful snowy day and I love snow, it's a dreary day, not just because it's the end of January. This whole Kobe Bryant thing, I'm just still thinking about that a little bit. Um, And I know that people die every day, and I know that children die as well, and I know that there are people fighting on foreign soil who die every day. But for some reason, this Kobe thing has hit us a little harder than those things do, probably because we just know who he is. And he was in our living rooms playing basketball and being interviewed. He was a well-known figure. I'm not going to pretend to have known Kobe Bryant. I will say that I did meet him once. My son and I, about 10 years ago, spent a half hour with him, just having a great conversation through the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So we flew out to L.A., went to a Lakers game, among other things. After the game was over, we were ushered into this kind of small little room next to the locker room. We were sitting there just kind of watching Kobe be interviewed on the TV. What we did not know is that there was probably a 30, maybe even a 45-second delay. And so we were watching him speak, looking forward to meeting him, and then suddenly he just burst through the room while he's still on TV. And I'll never forget the priceless look on my son's face. It was a combination of terror and joy mixed in with a little bit of awe and excitement. It was just incredible. He could barely speak. Kobe held his hand out. We shook hands. He introduced himself. We introduced ourselves. And for 30 minutes, we just sat and talked, talked about what he was going to do after he retired. He asked questions about my son. It was just a great day. He was engaged. He was warm. He was kind. Just a good guy. And so when I saw about his death and saw what had happened, I just thought about that day. And I was reading some tweets, and I I can't believe I'm saying the word tweet. Um, I don't tweet, but I do read Twitter occasionally. I've actually got a Twitter account. I just don't think I know how to use it. So I was reading some tweets, and someone who knew him, as the news of his death started to filter out, tweeted these words, Dear God, I pray it's not true. And so let's assume he was really praying that. What happened to that prayer? Did God hear that prayer? Did God take that prayer seriously? Was there any influence that that prayer had on the events of that day? You know, we think a lot about that. Does God really hear my prayers? And and what is the purpose of prayer? And so I want to ask you a question as we get started today. What influence do our prayers have on the will and activity of God? In other words, what does it really matter? Does God's will or activity change or is it conformed at all based on our prayers? Or is prayer just about really changing us? I mean, we all have examples of prayers that we've uttered for years that have not been, quote, answered as we've asked. And I mean, there are even great songs. I thank God for unanswered prayer. Sometimes unanswered prayer is a great gift from God. But prayer is something we think about a lot. And for the next three weeks on these podcasts, I just want to kind of dive deeply into some Old Testament prayers. I was reading through the Old Testament and came across these prayers and thought, this is something that would really be great to talk about. And take those prayers 
and see what we can learn from them. So the first prayer I want to look at is from Moses. So Moses was on Mount Sinai, where God gave him the Ten Commandments. Moses was up there all by himself. It's interesting that everybody else was invited up there. If you read chapter 3, God says, you're all going to be up there worshiping me. But only Moses was willing to go for whatever reason. Maybe they were afraid of God. Maybe they didn't trust God. But they decided against it. Now remember what God had done for them, all those people down in the valley. God had delivered them out of slavery from Egypt. Egypt was a superpower. God had visited plagues on the Egyptians that influenced the Pharaoh to let God's people go. The wealthy Egyptians even somehow were convinced that as the Hebrews departed, they should give the Hebrews their jewelry. And so they had all this wealth, this jewelry that they had. As they left, God parted the Red Sea for them so they could have safe passage out of Egypt. God then closed the waters of the Red Sea on Pharaoh's armies. God led them by a pillar of cloud during the day, a pillar of fire at night. God gave them food. God gave them water. God even enabled them to travel a great distance without their sandals wearing out. He did a lot. I mean, you and I can look back on our lives and think of all the things that God has done for us. And, and certainly the Hebrew people could think the same thing. But now, as we come to our passage in Exodus 32, they're doubting God. Well, maybe God doesn't care. And the reason they're doubting God is that Moses, up on Mount Sinai, had been gone for a really long time. And they began to draw assumptions. Have you ever noticed that? Whenever there's kind of a vacuum there or there's a time lapse, we begin to create some scenarios and assumptions in our minds. Maybe this is what's going on here. And so... They began to assume maybe Moses has left us. Maybe God has departed, just like we make assumptions in our own minds when things like that happen. And their response to those assumptions was to take their jewelry, given to them by the Egyptians because God convinced the Egyptians to do so, melt it down, have a wild party. I mean, think Animal House down in that valley. Wild party. They made a golden idol from that jewelry, and they worshipped it. I mean, what in the world? I mean, come on. After all that God had done for them, that was their response. And so that's where we pick up the passage. Exodus chapter 32, verse 7. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people, your people, whom you brought out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them, and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. I've seen these people. And they are a stiff-necked people. You ever know anybody who's stiff-necked? Now leave me alone, Moses, so that my anger may burn against them, and I may destroy them, and I'll make you a great nation. Notice what God is saying here. Moses, these are your people. I mean, excuse me? They're Moses' Moses's people? I mean, God's the one who made the covenant. God's the one who delivered them. But suddenly they belong to Moses. Have you ever known parents? who when one of their children does something really, really bad, one parent will say to the other, can you believe what your son did? But if that same child does something really, really good, the parent will say, can you believe what our child did or my child did? We want to take credit when they do something that's good. We do not want to take the blame when they do something that is wrong. And that's what God's doing here. He's saying, Moses, look, they're yours. They're your people. And then he goes on to say, I want you to leave me alone so that I can stay angry at them, because I've had enough. Well, Moses, hearing all this, 
responds to God with this beautiful prayer. The passage reads, But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. I love that. He sought God's favor. And so he prayed, O Lord, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? In other words, now, God, remember, they're not my people. They belong to you. You made the covenant, not me. And then he goes on. Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster upon your people. So that's the prayer. God, take it easy on them. Relent. Give them another chance. And the text says God relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he had threatened. Here's the question. Did God change his mind? Did God hear Moses' prayer and literally say, you know what? He's got a point there. I think I'm just going to maybe give him another shot. It's a difficult question, isn't it? But that's the question we're asking. What was the role of his prayer? Moses, it's key to understand, looking back on that event, did not believe that God actually changed his mind. He wrote in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, these words, God is not a human that he should lie. In other words, God, God does not lie to you and me. God cannot lie. Nor is God the son of a human that he should change his mind. In other words, God doesn't change his mind. And so what are we going to do with that information? What I want to do is give you three affirmations from this text. Not contradictions that we have to solve or resolve, but truths that we hold at the same time together and just make these affirmations. So let me tell you what the affirmations are, then we're going to dive into them. The first affirmation about prayer is that God's will and purpose is unchanging, and we'll unpack that. The other affirmation, or the second one, is God's plans unfold over time, and we'll unpack that one. And the third is God calls us to pray. So let's just kind of take those and work our way through. First of all, thinking about the truth that God has a will and purpose that does not change. It's one of the primary themes of the Bible. God says consistently, I have a will and I have a plan for my people. This creation is going somewhere. Your life means something. I have designed you. I have a will and a purpose. In Presbyterian churches and other Reformed churches and other churches that are not Reformed, we have what's called the Catechism. It's a fancy word for a book of questions and answers, theological questions and answers based on sound biblical theology. The very first question of the Catechism is this, what is the chief end of man? Or what is the chief end of humanity? That's a great question. Why are we here? What's the reason for our being? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. In other words, there is an affirmation that God has a purpose. Why are we here? What is God's will that we glorify Him in our lives and we enjoy Him forever? And this is affirmed throughout the Bible, you all. Proverbs chapter 19. Many are the plans of man or humans, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. God's purpose stands. And so Moses, knowing this to be true about God, continues in his conversation with God. He says this in verse 13 of chapter 32. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give them this land that I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. In other words, what did he do? He reminded God of his promises. He reminded God of his plans. 
He reminded God of his will. And so here's what you and I have to understand as we go to God in prayer. He has sovereignly placed us where we are to glorify him and to, and to enjoy him. And so our prayers claim his promises that this is what you want, God. This is what you have promised. This is who you are. And we pray for that to happen. We pray for your will to be done. And so we affirm that in our prayer. We don't say, God, I, I want you to change your will. I don't, I don't want your purpose to work out. No, we say, God, work out your purpose and work out your will. And we remind God of that. Just as God sent Moses down from the mountain to be with the Israelites, maybe God has sent you down to be with your family. He, maybe he has sent you down to your neighborhood or to your community. Maybe he has sent you down to your, to your school or where you work to pray for them. God's purpose and will did not change when Moses appealed to him. God still wanted his people to glorify and enjoy him. Moses pleaded for God to make his will be done. I mean, that's essentially what he is praying. God, your will be done and give us more time. So the second affirmation, first is God's will and purpose is unchanging. The second is that God's plans unfold over time. You and I don't have all the information right now. It doesn't matter. We don't know what God is going to do in our lives in five years from now. We know what we hope he does. We don't know where God is taking us in life. We, we know where we hope he is, but he's taking us somewhere. And so all we know is where we've been and where we are right now. We don't have the complete picture. And so when we pray, we're praying with great confidence. God, you've got the future in your hands. And I know I don't have all the information. Therefore, I'm praying for your will to be done. Help me to cooperate that with, with that. I got some friends who met later in life. They've both been married before. They were divorced and they both had children. And he was meeting her for a date. It was her first date. And he went to pick her up. He didn't know a whole lot about her. And so she said, hey, before we go, I want to introduce you to my children. He didn't know much about her children. Didn't know how many she had. And so she called for her daughter to come out. She came out into the living, into the living room and they met and had a conversation. A couple minutes later, she called for her other daughter to come out. And she came out into the living room. And they all had a great conversation. A couple minutes later, she called for yet another daughter to come out. And she came into the living room. They had a great conversation. A few minutes later, she called for her son to come out. And he walked into the living room. And my friend looked at her and said, how many more are back there? <laughs> you see, she was wise. She knew, I'm not going to give him all four of these kids at once. I'm just going to kind of slowly get him used to the idea. And, and, and a, that's goofy, I know. But in a, in a way, that's what God does with you and me. His, his plans unfold over time. I mean, God knew about the golden calf. I mean, he's the one who sent Moses down to those people. God knew everything that was happening. God knew what was going to happen. And so what you and I have to do is recognize that God has us where we're supposed to be. I mean, God has you right now where you're supposed to be. And he wants to use us where we are. And our task, our task, is to discover what God is already doing and cooperate with that. Let me get philosophical with you for just a second. God right now basically is coming at us from two different directions. He comes to us from the past. And he also comes at us from the future. And you see God knows them both. And so we tend to see events based on what caused them. That, that's not exactly how God sees them. We're called to see the things that are going on in our lives right now, 
not just based on what caused them, but also to see them according to their future purpose. I wonder what God is doing right now. I wonder where God is leading me right now. I wonder what God is preparing me for right now. Big fancy philosophical word is teleology. That's what that is. That the events that we experience are to be looked at not just according to what caused them, but according to where they're going and where they're taking us. And so we do that. I mean, I, in my own life, I've, I've had dreams for my life and aspirations. And I've had long seasons of frustration. Have you had that too? Where you just think, this is just not going to happen. It's just not working out. Uh, and now as I look at those, I just, I wasn't ready at that point. I didn't have the whole story. And now I'm starting to see some pieces of the puzzle come together, and that does give me great confidence. You know, so when you and I get frustrated with unanswered prayer, let's try to keep in mind that maybe God's just trying to prepare something in our lives that he'll accomplish later. And so we pray with that notion, that affirmation. We don't have all the information yet, and God's plan unfolds over time. And the final thing that I want to affirm with you before we say goodbye is that God wants us to pray. I mean, think about it in these terms. When Jesus taught the people how to pray the Lord's Prayer, Sermon on the Mount, it was assumed that prayer was just a part of life with him. I mean, notice the the disciples did not ask, Lord, should we pray? No, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so we affirm that God calls us to pray. We pray no matter what the situation. We think about the Lord's Prayer. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in every situation we're in, God. Let your kingdom be at work, let it be emerging, and let your will be done. And so what if Moses had refused to pray? Well, he didn't. All we know is that he did, in fact, pray. And that prayer moved God's kingdom forward. And that makes me want to pray. You know, on that mountain, Moses perceived what God wanted for his people. What he did was he basically said, God, remember your promises. I mean, if you think about it, that was like giving God scripture back to God. I mean, he's, you know, these promises are scripture. <laughs> and, and I think that's what you and I do when we pray. We pray scripture back to God. We pray God's word back to him because that's how we pray for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. You know, one of my favorite scriptures that I pray often is um, from Isaiah. Do not fear for I am with you and do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right arm. And so in my prayer, I say that back to God. God, you don't want me to be afraid and help me not to be afraid. You don't want me to be a fearing, anxious person. Help me not to be anxious. God, you want to give me strength. Give me strength right here. God, you say you want to help me. Give me help in this situation. God, I'm feeling weak. You say you want to uphold me with your victorious right arm. Uphold my life now. God calls us to pray and we learn from Moses we can pray God's word back to him. So that's a big question for today. You know, does God hear our prayers? What is the role of prayer? What influence do they have on the will and activity of God? Well, let's just affirm what we know. God's will and purpose, it is unchanging. God's plans, they unfold over time. We don't know everything yet, but God calls us to pray. And if we can hold those truths together, then we can turn to him. Well, that's all for today. But I hope you have a great rest of the day, and I look forward to time with you next week. Bye now.